Hi guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your new weekly podcast for all things investment. My name is Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. As always, I am your host and back again for our first episode that we're recording in 2022 is our property slash investment expert, Luke Harris. Luke, happy new year to you. It's so lovely to have you back. How are you feeling after a well-deserved break and such a big year? Uh, G'day, Phoebe. Happy new year to you and to everybody listening. It's good to be back. We had a, a really short break uh, of, of two and a half, three weeks or so. Uh, not short for some people, but um, <laughs> yeah, we had a, had a relaxing time, uh, had plenty of time in the pool, got a bit of sunshine in up here in Queensland and uh, yeah, very, uh, very happy to be back. We've got a huge year coming up. Yeah, and as far as the podcast goes, we've got a really exciting year ahead. We've got some really great guests featuring soon. You'll definitely be hearing from the rest of the Property Mentor team, and we've even got some members coming in to share their journey and their story. So make sure to subscribe if you want to be notified when those episodes are released. So coming up on today's show, we're talking about new versus existing properties. So a common question that people ask when considering purchasing a property is, should I buy brand new or an older established property? So it's a great question, but just like anything else with investing, there's never just one answer. Both have their positives and their negatives. And Luke's going to talk us through them today as to why one is perhaps more ideal based on things such as someone's personal goal, so their why, and the better option for their portfolio. So Luke, let's start off with a seemingly simple question, but I know this is something that a lot of people out there will also want to know. How do you differentiate between a new property and an existing property? Like how is that actually measured? New typically would be considered an off-the-plan property or a, a spec home built by a builder or you know an apartment, for example, that's just been constructed. Uh, and a lot of people sort of consider a new property to be, I guess, an easy option as far as investing is concerned um, because they don't have to worry about repairs and maintenance, which is a huge factor to consider when you're talking about the costs of your investment. And then existing property basically just means anything that has been lived in or has been tenanted? Yes, exactly. So an existing property or an established property, something that's that's uh, been built already, maybe it's been lived in before, maybe it's had a tenant in there for five or 10 years, um, but really something that you can um, you can see it, touch it, feel it, you know, walk through it and actually, you know, get an understanding of the property from a visual perspective. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a better property or a worse property. It just means mm. that it's there and you can you can see it and touch it. Yeah. Okay. And often, yeah. and often you can smell it too, because a lot of the older properties uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't always have the, the the best smells attached to them. Oh my god. So let's talk about existing and established properties and. What are some of the circumstances that someone might choose to purchase a an existing property as an investment? What are some of the positives? Some of the positives, uh, you know, but with uh, existing established, like we said before, is that you can see it, you can touch it, you get a feel for the place and really understand what it would be like to live in that particular property. Um, and a lot of people, when they're starting out investing in property, they they assume that buying an existing property is the best way to go. Uh, and, and for those reasons, they, they're sort of new to investing and they're not really sure uh, about, you know, any other opportunities to buy off the plan or, you know, it seems like a whole other world for people. So they like the idea of walking through it. And people have the idea of, uh, you know, improving the property. They want to add value to it. They like the idea of painting or renovating. Um, and also with, with an existing established property, you can usually, you know, walk in, make an offer, put your finance in and you can settle and, and rent it out 
almost straight away because it's already there. Uh, you know, there's no waiting for anything to to be built or constructed. And I think that uh, that is appealing for a lot of people. They like the idea of just sort of going out there and grabbing a property and putting a tenant in it. Um, there's obviously more to long-term investing, successful long-term investing, than just going out there and buying something that's ready. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask if that seems to be a common thing for especially first-time buyers, that the fact that they can see it and they can uh, touch it and get a real feel for it and they sort of have this kind of tangible thing that they can see, that seems to be a very common thing for for first-time buyers? That's right. I think, uh, well, first-time buyers, people living in the property, of course, they, they're more inclined to buy something that they can buy with emotion, they can walk through it. Uh, first-time investors are often the same because, you know, they live in a property, no doubt, that's already finished. They live in a property that they can see and feel and touch and smell, of course. Um, you know, and so people, when they're investing, they, they sort of feel that that's the best way uh, for them to go. But of course, as an investor, you want to look at the numbers first. The numbers are the most important thing. So when we're comparing side by side a new property uh, versus an established one, of course, we need to make that comparison to make sure that we're looking at the numbers first. And any emotional um, you know, decision making needs to come second to that. I do want to talk about that emotional attachment thing. Why is it that you encourage people not to get emotionally invested or attached to these properties? Well, no one's ever made millions of dollars by making their investment decisions purely on emotion. Um, The most successful investors take the emotion out of their decision-making process, look at the numbers, look at the research, look at the data. And if you're making all of your investment decisions based on emotion, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure from the start. And so going through the process of uh, treating your first investment property or your second or third the same way a professional investor would. And when I say a professional investor, I'm talking about an investor that's got 10, 20, 30 properties uh, or more. Uh, someone that's out there investing like a business, businesses don't go and make emotional decisions. If you look at some of the most successful companies out there, they're not investing on emotion. Their board of directors don't sit around the table and say, hey, let's make some emotional decisions right now. You should be treating your investment uh, decisions the same way as if you had a board of directors sitting around the table saying, let's make some business-like decisions based on logic, based on facts and figures, based on data, and ultimately based on the numbers, the numbers that are actually going to help you build wealth. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So then on the other side, what are some of the negatives to buying an established or an existing property? Well, I've experienced this myself. So, you know, buying a, a, a uh, an assist, existing or an established property, um, you know, and when we make a, a bit of a joke saying it could be second hand, it could be third, fourth or fifth hand, could be many, many uh, hands of uh, changed hands many times. Um, often what happens over a period of time, the older the property, the more, uh, I guess, um, handyman repairs, uh, patch ups, repairs, maintenance are all done by the occupants of the building, not necessarily by qualified tradespeople. So often you don't know what you're getting when you're purchasing an existing uh, or an established property. And you can get building reports and uh, experts to come out and have a look at uh, property. But a lot of the, the, the building reports that you can get, they're just a visual inspection. So that doesn't mean that they, that means that they're going to uh, climb through the roof and, and look at all of the things that they need to look at. They're often just going to walk through the property and see if there's anything obvious. Um, often a building inspection uh, doesn't give the peace of mind that it should. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, they're going to give a full building uh, report mm. for three or four hundred dollars that's going to give them that insurance policy. Um, but I've experienced it many times where I've had a building report done 
six, 12 months later, there's been problems uh, with the property because it was purely a visual inspection. So that's that's one of the, the negatives with buying an established property is that you know a lot of things can be covered up. Paint can cover up all sorts of, of damage, uh, including you know dampness, uh, dodgy, um, dodgy carpentry work, all sorts of things. Um, carpet can cover up all sorts of issues. Um, so that's one of the things that, that, that I look out for, but also um, ongoing repairs and maintenance. Um, and, and one of the things that we look at as, as professional investors is to really f- work out a plan of attack on how you're going to continue building your portfolio. And if you've got a, a portfolio that you're building of existing properties, uh, whatever the age, whether they're five years old, 10 years old, 30 or 40 years old, they're going to need repairs and maintenance ongoing and property like any uh, you know, any depreciating asset is going to need more repairs as it gets older. Like all of us, no doubt, mm. right? When we're a little <laughs> bit younger, we, we probably need to go to the doctor for a checkup every now and then, but there isn't a huge amount of maintenance work done. Um, you know, when you when you get older and you get into your 40s and 50s and 60s, you'll probably have to go and get your teeth checked a little <laughs> bit more often and you have to go and spend a little bit more money on your health uh, than, than you did when you were younger. And property is no different. Uh, in fact, property is probably worse in that the older the property gets, uh, there are more repairs and maintenance it's going to need. Um, but as I said, they're often a visual inspection only. You're not going to get somebody uh, looking inside the cavities of the walls. You're not going to get somebody climbing under the house or inside the, the roof space. Yeah, okay. uh, And they certainly won't be looking at existing pipes and things like that that are under, underground. Okay, so that's definitely something to take into consideration. So, yeah, one of the other things that we need to look out for with uh, existing properties as well is that, like I said earlier, is that we're looking at the numbers uh, first and foremost, when it comes to investing, uh, and again, it comes to successful investing, not the properties that make us feel good, but the properties that give us the best financial result. After all, we're investing to make money. We're not investing to make ourselves feel good. Um, so the negatives, obviously, we need to look at the depreciation benefits, and often you're not going to get any depreciation or tax benefits on an established property. Now, that means that if more of your own money has to go into the property to maintain it because you're not claiming those tax benefits, um, then that means that your portfolio growth could potentially be slowed down because you're putting more money in to the property than you need to because the tax person is not giving you any benefits for investing. So this is why the new properties are very popular with investors, the tax benefits, and of course, the higher rents that you can get for a newer property can help you to build your portfolio because it means less of your own money going into the property. If you wanted to get fit or start a fitness program, you wouldn't run a marathon if you hadn't yet mastered jogging. You also wouldn't begin weight training by lifting 30 kilo dumbbells. There are of course multiple ways to keep fit through a variety of sports and exercise programs. However, there is a process to getting into shape and achieving peak performance. It's the same when it comes to investing in property. You need to start by doing some self-assessment of where you are now to where you'd like to be. This would be your fitness test. You have to find your team of experts who will help you along the way. These would be your trainers. And learn how other people invest, including the mistakes they've made. Only then can you start to look at how you will achieve your property investing goals. Property Fit assists you with all of this. It's the latest book from experienced property investor, entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of The Property Mentors, Luke Harris. It's the book that will guide you through the groundwork you need to cover before you start investing, exploring all the ways to invest in property by helping you find a strategy that will lead to the ultimate goal of financial freedom. 
Property Fit is your easy-to-read, practical book including mentor tips and mindset insights, as well as proven strategies that seasoned investors or those just starting out in property will find invaluable. Visit propertyfitbook.com.au to purchase your copy and get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom. Can you explain what depreciation is and how it works? Yeah, so depreciation really is is the same thing as if you're running a business, you've got uh, tools and equipment, for example. You might have uh, power tools if you're a tradie. Uh, you, if you're running a business, you might have a fleet of cars or laptops or other equipment or machinery even if you're running a, uh, another sort of business that requires uh, heavy machinery. All of those items, the, the government or the tax office allows you to depreciate. And what that means is that every single year you might buy that uh, particular asset. Let's say it's a car, for example. Every year that asset goes down in value. So even though the car still works, still drives around, does everything it's supposed to do, it's actually losing value every single day. Now, property is... Because it's being used. Well, it's being used and, of course, it's getting older. Yeah. There's new models coming out sure. and, of course, you know, okay. wear and tear ultimately brings down the value of that asset to the point where at some point in time, it's not really worth anything. The repairs and maintenance costs of maintaining a five or six-year-old laptop are going to really start costing more than the cost of a new one. So what they're saying is that the, the usable lifespan of that, prop, of, that, um, of that asset has a set life, lifetime. Same thing with, um, with your property. If you've got carpet, right, it's going to have a usable lifespan, uh, a reasonable lifespan, uh, and the same thing with all fixtures and fittings inside a property as well. And so depreciation essentially is an on-paper loss that you can claim on your tax. Okay, gotcha. So going into so let's talk about new and off the plan because um, the depreciation is actually one of the positives. But talk to me about new and off the plan and some of those positives as to why someone would, would choose that. Well, the main thing that we, we love about the, the positives with new and off the plan is the fact that those tax benefits can really help you to fast track your property portfolio. I don't know why you would leave money on the table if the government is offering it to you by the way of tax deductions. Why would you not take that? Right. And when yeah. we're looking side by side, one of the positives of buying new property, and this is what I've been doing for the last 10 years, is, is buying new properties that give me fantastic tax benefits. And also, the demographics of tenants are changing. More and more people are renting these days, and the people that are renting are wanting to stay for longer. People are moving to mm -hmm. lifestyle areas, they're moving to aspirational suburbs that they, they couldn't afford to live in otherwise. And you know, they're, they're happy to rent. People are happy to rent for a long mm. time. There's plenty of people that I know as friends and family that are renting and really don't plan on buying. They're, they're quite happy where they are. And because of that, the type of tenant that we have now versus the type of tenant we had 20 or 30 years ago, it's very different. And when I grew up, a lot of people, uh, you know, if you, if you were living in a rental, uh, you know, the, the schoolyard conversation was that, you know, that person was poor because they had to rent. Mm. You know, why can't you buy a house? And that was just a schoolyard mentality. I was literally, you know, 10 or 15 years at the time. Yeah. People that I know that are, that are quite successful that are renting. Um, and so the demographics of, of tenants are massively changing over the last decade and we're seeing people renting for longer. And what that means is that um, tenants are, are treating their, I guess, their rental property uh, that, they're, that they're renting as, as their home. It's not a transitional place where they might stay for six or 12 or 18 months. It's where they're going to live for two, three, four, five years or more. And because of that, people are looking for something that's more comfortable yeah. to live in that has all the modern conveniences. They want stone bench tops. They want 
you know, nice clean kitchens and bathrooms. A working air conditioner. Working air conditioners, clean carpets, <laughs> you know, and they don't want, you know, snotty-nosed, you know, kids that have run around and left the walls in a mess. They want to have new yeah. and, and nice properties and, and tenants are, are attracted to those and will pay more for a newer property that they can move into knowing the fact that it's it's theirs, right? And they're going to, to really set themselves up. And because of that, you know, newer properties tend to uh, rent faster and they rent for more. And the, the other thing as well is that the new properties, and this is one of the massive things that, that I love, uh, is that the repairs and maintenance for the first 10 or 15 years are virtually zero. Okay, so when you're buying mm. a new property, you really have a carefree investment. And there's, there's a few factors that we have to look at here. First of all, if you're going to get tax benefits, that means there's less money out of your pocket every week and every month. Yeah. Okay, because the, the government, essentially, the tax office is supporting you with that property. The, the tax man or the tax person pays for a percentage of that property by giving you those tax benefits. The tenant pays a huge chunk of that and you only pay a small component of that. And that's the first part. Obviously, we want to make sure that we're getting those things. Um, because of the fact that we've got a new property, we don't have huge repairs and maintenance to worry about. We don't have to have uh, hot water systems breaking all the time. Often they've got very solid warranties when they're brand new. The carpets, the light fittings are all LED these days. They last for 20 years. So everything in the property is designed you know, with, with that in mind, sustainability in mind. And of course, you know, this is the sort of thing that, that tenants want. So you're always gonna have a, uh, a tenant. Um, but the thing is, is that if you've got a low maintenance property, you're not going to have to spend extra money on repairs and maintenance. So you're not have to put extra money into the property because you're getting tax benefits. You're not having to put money in for repairs and maintenance. And what that means is that you've you've then got leftover money that you can put in towards your next property. Yeah, I think that's the main thing, hey. If you've got a happy tenant that's happy to stay there, they're happy to pay a good rent because it's a new property and they're comfortable there. Remember, this is someone's home. We're providing accommodation for people we're not just sure. you know, tr transacting on buildings we're actually providing accommodation for people to live in so people spend a huge amount of time um, finding the right property if they're happy there they're going to stay and so this is a the balancing act where getting the right property in the portfolio getting the right property fit essentially uh, is going to allow you to secure a, a portfolio of properties that are going to be paid for largely by the tax office and largely by the tenant and if you don't have to put money in every month, if you don't have to have repairs and maintenance, what that's going to mean financially is that you can afford to buy your second or third or fourth property on top of that. Yeah, I can understand now why someone would do that because it's, it really is in this sense about fast tracking that portfolio. So if you're not sort of wasting money with repairs and all these other really annoying expenses, yeah, expenses, then you'll yeah. have your next property in no time. So what are some of maybe just the downsides to the newer off the plan that people should know about? Look, often with um, the downsides with newer off the plan, sometimes you might need to wait, okay? And that's not necessarily a bad thing because what you're doing is you're locking in a, 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 um, a contract at today's price. Uh, the, the building might already be under, under construction or it might be about to start. It means you might need to wait three, six, 12, 18 months or more for the actual property to be built. We've got plenty of examples of, of people that have bought off the plan um, in areas that are backed by our, by our research that show that we've bought ahead of the curve, we've bought in, in areas that are poised for growth, and by the time it comes to settlement, they've actually made money. We've had examples where um, there was a, a, um, 
apartments that we had in uh, Essendon, Victoria, a, a couple of years back, um, the valuations came back at settlement time about sixty or $70,000 more than the contract price. Wow. So buying in the right areas at the right time, knowing that the research has been done on those properties means that we're going to you know, really get a benefit for buying off the plan. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's that's one of the. I see that as a positive, but you know, it can be a negative for some people that you know are a little bit impatient. Uh, it means they they don't want to wait. Um, but I think uh, waiting doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. But you know, one of the negatives could be that you have to wait for the property. Mm. Well, if everything in investing is such a long term thing, that's all just part of it is waiting. Well, exactly. And, you know, this is the thing. We've got a, a uh, phrase that we use at the Property Mentors called the leapfrog strategy, where you're securing a property off the plan. Whilst that's being built, we secure another one that settles after that. And then we're sort of essentially leapfrogging over the next property mm. while we're waiting for one to come through. And depending on your situation, that that might actually work. Uh, obviously, we work very closely with our broker uh, to to put that plan and strategy in place. But it's definitely something that can work for a lot of people. Um, you know, and timing that properly and securing the right properties with the right research uh, means that we're getting that, that strategy to work properly. Sure, yeah, and that's definitely something that we can help with. So the next one, you says valuations can come in below the purchase price settlement. What does that mean? Well, look, at the end of the day, the banks are always going to send a valuer out there. They've got a panel of valuers that go out there and value a property, whether it's new or off the plan or an established property, doesn't matter what sort. Whenever you apply for a loan, they're going to use a valuer. And the thing is, is that often when uh, a new building is, is done, uh, it might be uh, that there's no comparable sales. Mm. So if it's if it's a uh, an area that uh, the they're building a new development in, it might mean that they haven't got any comparable sales to compare it to. Uh, and that often happens when there's a bit of a boutique development and there's uh, really an infill development in, um, and, and the valuers really don't have data to compare to. Um, but really evaluation is just an opinion. So sometimes uh, we have experienced that maybe 10% of the time where evaluation will come in lower than the contract price. Sometimes it's five or $10,000, sometimes it's more. Um, what we do is work very closely with the broker on that to make sure that we can provide um, comparable sales uh, and so forth. But often um, with the projects that we work with, we don't see that. Uh, again, the um, valuation prices have come in above contract at times. Very rare for valuers to do that. Um, but the issues that people uh, talk about when you're buying newer off the plan and uh, valuations come in low is when you're uh, seeing it in the media, it's because people are buying in high-rise towers. So they're buying in a capital city, in a high-rise tower, areas in Melbourne like Docklands or South Bank, uh, you know, where there's huge towers full of apartments. And the valuers know that they've been sold oftentimes to overseas investors and they've been sold in bulk to overseas investors. So what they're doing is really just protecting the bank's interests by saying, well, hang on, you've, you've sold all these apartments to... Uh, to China, for example, or to other parts of the world, and the valuers are just cautious. Uh, they're there to protect the bank, not you, uh, and they're making sure that the uh, the risk is covered if the uh, if if they feel that the prices are overvalued. But often we uh, we protect our members by going out there and doing our own research, and we provide that research for any of the projects that we source. And the thing to keep in mind as well is that uh, the types of properties that we work with our members on. We're buying them ourselves mm. and uh, we certainly wouldn't be buying into these particular areas and these developments if we didn't uh, back our own research. Yeah. And I think that's a, a good good testament to the research that we do. 
and make sure that the, the types of properties fit in with not only our own investment criteria, but also make sure that we don't have issues uh, like low valuations at settlement time. Yeah, fantastic. And in your book, you do talk, there's two chapters actually that you talk about new and established properties, but there's also a part of it where you talk about the unicorn property. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes, I think the, the unicorn property is something that I was looking for when I started investing in my <laughs> early 20s. I was, I was going out there trying to find the perfect property and the unicorn property is something that I guess a lot of investors are looking for that silver bullet. They're looking for, for the one property or the one strategy that's going to fix all of their problems, build wealth for them without any stress or risk or, or worry. Um, the reality is the unicorn property just does not exist. It's not there. It's a figment of your imagination. I've been looking for it for well over 20 years now, still haven't found uh, what I would call the perfect property. Um, in the meantime, I've been going out there and buying a bucket load of really good quality properties that have uh, had a specific purpose in my portfolio. And the unicorn property or the silver bullet just does not exist. So guys, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you're doing it for a reason, you want to learn, you want to get ahead, take my, take my number one tip away. There is no such thing as the perfect property. Yeah. There's one reoccurring line that we're talking about. There's no, yeah, silver bullet. There's no magical recipe. There's no unicorn property. That's, that's for sure. So there's clearly a lot to weigh up when considering buying new or an established property. And if you are looking for some professional guidance on which is the better option for you, our mentors can help with that. All the information we've covered today has come straight from Luke's book, Property Fit. There are two chapters, one on existing, one on new, and with even more knowledge and some really, really helpful mentor tips in there too. They're sort of scattered all throughout the book. Um, just to go back to the book for a second, Luke, I mentioned on our last episode that Property Fit did very well over the Christmas period as we had people reaching out and saying that they had either gifted it to someone starting their investing journey, it was gifted to them, or they gifted it to themselves to help on their own investing journey, which is so great to hear. So Luke, where can people go to get their hands on a copy of Property Fit? So you can just go to propertyfitbook.com.au and we'll get a copy out to you straight away. And it's definitely a good, if you forgot somebody over Christmas, it's a great book to send out for the new year as well. Yeah, and please make sure to share, like, or leave a rating. We really appreciate that as it helps us reach even more people on their investing journeys. If you would like to get in contact or know any more about us here at The Property Mentors, you can check out our website, thepropertymentors.com.au. You can also follow and connect with us on any of our socials, which are always linked in our show notes, along with a link to our blog. We'll be back in your ears again next week with a very special guest. I'll be talking to one of Melbourne's leading demographers about his 22 predictions for 2022. So if you subscribe, you'll be notified when that episode drops. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. And Luke, thank you. Thanks, baby. Happy New Year.